You're listening to The Dice Men Cometh, broadcast live to air on Edge Radio 99.3 FM and proudly sponsored by LFG Australia. The Dice Men Cometh! It's episode 295 of Australia's favourite and leading board game, dice game, role-playing game, radio show and podcast, if you like the edited version. It's a Dice Men Cometh. It's Thursday. It's February the 6th, I believe. He looks at his watch and says, yes, it is. Absolutely. It is almost, I don't know, Valentine's Day for you lovers out there. It's almost my 19th anniversary. Woo-hoo. For someone who's only 25, that's really weird. Yeah, and slightly illegal, possibly. Anyway, you are listening to Australia's number one radio show all about board gaming, dice gaming, card gaming, role-playing, anything involving a table that is provided by consensual adults. On tonight's episode, we are going to go back again into a little bit of recent history, because Mark and I did go to CanCon. Oh, we sure did. And we had one hell of a weekend, or for the American listeners, one heck of a weekend. Are you guys still going on about that CanCon thing? Yeah, you should try coming out sometime <laughs> and have some fun. Hear about that all bloody time. Mark's got a couple more interviews from a few notables of notes that you will note later when we uh, actually play your interview. We're then going to talk about an upcoming game that is about to go kaboom on uh, Kickstarter which is Boomerang, mm. but we're not going to talk about that till after the interviews. And then, Leon, you've got some work to do, I dare say, young man. Well, I'm not going to be here for the next two weeks after this, so I might as well put in a bit of a shift. That would be quite <laughs> nice, and you are going to ask Mark and I some questions yeah. about CanCon for those who are uninitiated with it and want to know, should I make the effort, why would I bother... Is it any good? Where are the bathrooms? And all those other things. I'm going to give you a hardcore grilling. Awesome. Absolutely. So it is the Dice Men Cometh Q&A. So, look, as always, we are sponsored by LFG, Australia's and the Dice Men's favourite gaming location. Mm-hmm. Make sure you check them out at lfg-oz.com.au. Awesome. And if you want to get a bit more physical and tangible, make sure you visit them and us at LFG Sydney, which is happening in July. Yeah. Because all three of us will be there and we might have something special. I heard a rumour that we could, that will be there, that will be right in your face. And we don't want to say any more. It's the best we... place to have a dice man, I, th- I think you'll find. People, we've been in people's ears for years. Now we're going to be like right around the front bit in as well. In your face! That would yes. be amazing. So, look, we do not have any more time to prattle on because we have a show to get to. So, Mark, push the button. It's episode 295. We're going to come back with some CanCon interviews here with the Dice Man Cometh on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. Hello. Hi, my name is Anna, and I really enjoy playing with the Dice Man Cometh listening to their podcasts. Woohoo! Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the Dice Men cometh proudly brought to you this week and every week by our good friends at LFG Australia. And that was Evan Essence with Going Under. Oh, my... You emo- didn't pronounce it right. No, I'm not going to do it. Going Under! Yes. Oh, my emotions. <laughs> I remember being a 10-year-old boy when that coming out, and even I was just like, come on now, it's a bit... Mm. Anyway, let's back into some positivity and no reason to scream and cry. We're going to talk about some lovely interviews that Marky Boy did at CanCon with some of Australia's luminaries. Here I am, still having a ball at CanCon, but I've bumped into James Allen... Hello. ...who has got some very exciting news about his game, Drift Kings... Or is it just called Drift now? Yeah, it's just called Drift. So the uh, the publisher felt Kings might be a bit misogynistic. <laughs> okay. I think everybody felt the Drift. Queens probably sent the wrong message. Yeah. So we're, just, we're just going with Drift. And of course, well, we've I think we've all now played your game yeah. at various stages in the uh, in the preparation. Very excited about it. This car racing game where you actually drift around the corner. Yeah. There's a drift mechanic, yeah. and now it looks like you're getting ready to move to the Kickstarter stage? Yeah, very close. So uh, we're launching with 
Good Games Publishing, yes. uh, and they're just waiting to get everything sorted with Guildmaster and get that all out at the end of the way, mm-hmm. which I believe Kim said is going to be mid to late March, and then my Kickstarter should be in April oh. this year, so it's coming up. Fantastic, and have you made any changes at all since maybe the last time we saw this, which I, I believe, would have been about a year ago? Yeah, so there's been some changes to the timer mechanic. The timer's always been a bit of an area of contention. I want it in there because it creates a bit of sense of tension yes. and makes the race exciting, but you also don't want it to be punishing to people. So um, it works uh, a bit more like a, almost a machine gun timer. So now you have a full 45 seconds to take your turn, mm-hmm. but at the end of your turn, you're actually starting the timer for the next player. So you do have to stay engaged ah. and keep an eye on things. And also it used to be you could take a bit of time and gather up the tiles that you thought you were going to need for your movement. That all has to happen in your 45 seconds now. So, yeah, it's a, it's a bit different than it was, but it seems to play really well. So. And the cars themselves yeah. in the Kickstarter version... That's obviously a really exciting yeah, component yeah, yeah. of this game. Can you tell us a little bit about what they're going to be like? Yeah, so uh, Kim actually met with a sculptor uh, who's going to be working with them on the miniatures for the game. I think that was a couple of weeks ago. Oh, wow. Um, they're going to be a two-part plastic miniature. Uh, so there'll be a plastic base that's black and has the, the tile shape to it, and it's going to make up the wheels and, I think, the windscreen. And then there'll be a, a colored plastic piece that clips down over top of that. Okay. Now... I haven't got a clear answer for him, but the way he was talking about last time, it looks like there's going to be four distinct molds for the car. So it's not just going to be a different color. It's going to be a different car for for each player. And do you think you're likely to have maybe a stretch goal where... Maybe they're fully painted or anything special like that? Uh, I don't have any details, so yeah. don't quote me on any of this. I know there was talk of either having them painted with like a wash so it brings out the detail yes. in the miniature. So a very simple paint job. Or possibly some stickers included so oh, that you awesome. can customize. Again, that's, I'm, I'm talking out of my butt there because I really don't, I don't have a solid answer on any of that. Uh-huh. But, but I do know they're going to look fantastic. Um, and, uh, and I know they're, uh, they're working with some artists now, and it's, it's going to be a really pretty game. Oh, brilliant. And um, anything else you want to tell us about this game or anything else you've been working on? Uh, oh, look, I've always got games in the pipe. I'm <laughs> certainly nothing I've, I've taken to this stage. But, yeah, no, the focus is on, on this one and getting it ready for the Kickstarter. Brilliant. Well, we can't wait to see Drift hit Kickstarter. Very excited about it. I think it's going to go off road and off the charts. Fingers crossed. Um, great to catch up with you again, James. Thanks so much. Thanks you. So here I am walking through the retail hall of CanCon, and who should I stumble into but, for us, one of Australia's greatest board game designers, Peter Hawes. You may know him from such great games as Royals, Triassic Terror, and his masterpiece, Francis Drake. Peter, I'm so sorry to have just bumped into you in the crowd and, and grabbed you away from your shopping. How have you been, and what have you been up to lately? Nice to see you again, Max. Long time, five years ago. So if I was your first interview, I'm hoping the place been has been going great since then. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, what have I been doing? I've been uh, off doing my attached football representative for the last two years. I haven't had time to do any many games. The GP and I've had to go back to work as well because it is crazily expensive renovation of my house and spent <laughs> all my retirement money. Sounds like you must get about one hour sleep a day, Peter, doing all of that. Yeah, well, I don't get a lot of sleep. <laughs> the training to keep you fit to touch football is pretty intense. But uh, I haven't had a lot of time to keep an eye on the latest, like all the releases from Essen this time around, so that's why I'm here shopping, as you saw. Yes. But unfortunately, there's not a lot of games that have arrived yet from Essen. They're still coming. Personally, on games, I, I do have one game in the pipeline. It's um, I'm working on a game about Titanic. Ah. Yes, it does sink. <laughs> Spoiler alert. In Germany, they sort of said it's a pretty touchy topic because some of these people's relatives are still all alive and yes. here's a game where there's people dying and I put a positive uh, slant on the game by saying our job is we're four or five or six women many players there are we're the officers on the Titanic and we have to get more people off the boat than historically they did yes for example Mark you're the green player you've got to get the green two or so yes blue passengers off and he's got to get the red passengers off and they're distributed everywhere and you've got to get them together get them up to the top deck to lifeboats and then get them on the lifeboats and go before that particular part of the deck goes under. Yes. So it's a real race game, but true to my beliefs, I don't put a game out until it's perfect. And I did take it to the gathering about three years ago, and they all said, yeah, publish it, it's great, but it's not up to my standard just yet. So and I haven't had a lot of time to work on it, so I want another year or two's work. But yeah, it might turn into an interesting game. But for me, I like a, a strategic or tactical game, and unfortunately, you've got a boat, well, 
Yeah. Oh, you get people from the third deck up to the top deck. Yes. Where does the skullduggery in the school come in? Yeah. The fun bits for me were to be able to turn off the lights in your corridor <laughs> or let your corridor fly. I take the pumps and my pumps keep my area drier than yours and inflating your areas, but the German publishers, they're not really sure if they're going to accept that yet. So I've got to think of other clever ways to get your guys up faster than the next one. Yes. And, you know, there's no such thing as secret passages and stuff on a boat. There's the elevator the staircase, up you go. So it's been a bit hard to make a real good tactical game. Yeah, okay. I'm working on that. I've got the top deck worked out. For example, if you're an officer, you've got these great moral standards. You're going to put the women and children on, or you might even say, I'll put the third-class passengers on. Yes. Not the second, not the first. Whereas this officer, he'll go first-class passengers, second-class passengers, third-class passengers. So it's a race then. If you've collected a whole lot of your first-class passengers up there, you've got to try and get that officer. So it's a worth the placement game. Ah. And this turn, you get the first-class officer, well, you get your guys on. Someone else might take it strictly in queue order. So you yes. get the officer who just says first in, first there. Mm -hmm. So you're queuing up. So you've got to put your guys in a line where you've got more of your first class, because you know that officer's coming here, or just get in a line and you've got the first six guys, so you'll be on first. Yeah. So I've got plenty of tactics for the top. Just got to work out a fancy way of getting the passengers from the third and second deck up to the top deck. Okay, look, that sounds fascinating. Now, you were telling me just before I switched this machine on about Triassic Terror. Like, for us, that's one of our favourite area control games. And you were saying the the thought behind when you when you were designing that? Yeah. El Grande was the gold standard of area control games, and I loved it. I think it was Game of the Year in Germany in around 1995. Yeah. So I loved that game. And when Jurassic Park came out, the movie, I was just blown away with... He's an archaeologist there. He actually, you know, he's been digging up little bones, and he's over the moon when he sees a piece of bone come out of the ground. When he saw the real thing walking around, he was just staggering, and it was amazing. So, yeah, that inspired my imagination. So, Classic Terror was the subject matter, and I wanted a game to be El Grande. So, I've been working for 13 years. It took from about 1999 to around 2012. Wow. And I just kept perfecting the game until each of the actions, there's only six actions in the game, but each of them had to be equally strong because, uh, you know, it's going to be otherwise, the first three actions are the best. By going fourth, fifth, yes. and the order's no good. So, over that time, all the actions got better and better until I think they're very even. Some games I see a particular action never touched on the last turn, next time it's the first one picked up. So depending on the scenario or the situation at the time, each of the actions are pretty good. So yeah, although Francis Drake and Royals are both wonderful games and sold triple the number of copies of Triassic Terror, for me Triassic Terror is the ultimate strategy game for me. If you can describe it as El Grande where you can eat your competitors, I mean, that just sells itself. Well, yes, eating the competitors, it's, it's <laughs> great fun. And I've seen, you know, many kids play, they just love to get T-Rex and go eat Dad's dinosaurs. Yes. Get two raptors out there and do some damage. So, yeah, I, I was very happy with how each of those mechanics worked out. Like, they're all good. The, the lowly herd migration got changed into you steal one dinosaur from each other herd in the area. Yes. Suddenly, you know, it's like a herd of cattle, the strays come on and join your herd, you know, right? Suddenly you can split up the four dinosaurs and then move into two separate areas with two different herds. So that's a great card as well. So yeah. I'm happy with the balance. And if you like, you, know, you don't get it if you don't like every control games. But for me now, yeah, it's perhaps my best. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Peter, thank you so much for your time today. We'll let you get back to more shopping and enjoying CanCon. Keep us in the loop. We'd love to hear more about your uh, Titanic game when it comes out. Will do. And uh, thanks so much for your time today. Really thank appreciate you. it. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, I'm here on the Sunday of CanCon, and who do I bump into uh, but Shannon Kelly. Now, Hello. Sh Shannon, you've been obviously a very busy man up till now. What's been happening, fill us in, what's been happening to you the last 12 months or so since we caught up with you last? Um, yeah, so Runica, uh, the sequel to Lucidity, uh, went to Kickstarter, kicked off, did really well. Mm. Um, that's done, manufactured, in the mail. Um, as we speak, basically. Fantastic. And um, getting emails from American backers saying, oh, it just arrived, it looks great. So, yeah, it's a relief for all that to be wrapped up. Lovely. And is there, do you have a distribution deal with that as well? Is it going to go to retail? Yeah, just in Australia. Uh, in America, I'll be selling my own stock eventually after everyone's got their copy and I just have some left over. Okay. Uh, but hopefully that, uh, that all goes. Because you had a you had a distribution deal 
for Lucidity, did you? Yeah, well, not so much that, but uh, it got picked up by Renegade Games uh, after the Kickstarter. Um, so that's done really, really well over there. It's just kind of a light filler game with a different yeah. strategy. Um, whereas I think Runica is a very different market, um, and they didn't feel like picking that one up. Okay. Have, uh, you, had, have you had interest at all? Look, it takes so much yeah. kind of effort to go out and find a publisher and things like that. I, to be honest, I couldn't be bothered. Yeah, fair um, enough. If look, if anyone wants to knock on my door, though, <laughs> it's always open. Lovely. And then, um, look, it looks amazing. Um, also, I should say congratulations on Lucidity being one of the uh, finalists for the Kanga Award. Oh, that was For yeah, the, was um, the uh, look and feel the production values of the game, so that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, um, the art, uh, the artist William Webb did such an amazing job. Mm. I would hang up the kind of originals that he sent me in the post, but they are terrifying. Oh uh, yeah, there's nowhere for them at the moment. Leon, Leon loved them. They were very metal. That's for sure for him. Oh, maybe I need to send him. One. <laughs> well, I'll cut that out so Leon doesn't hear that. So now. <laughs> So now you've got Runico fulfilling. What are your what are your plans for the immediate future? Apart from maybe have a bit of a rest. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Next year, um, I think I burned myself out a little bit mm. uh, getting Runica out so fast and trying to get all of that done. Um, I felt like I I kind of made a promise to Lucidity back yes. to get the next one out quickly. Um, and I'm only coming to realise the point that they would have been happy to wait another yeah. year. Uh, and so yeah. Um, I'm just going to do a bit of self-care, have a year off, um, let a couple of designs kind of percolate um, rather than try and force something out. If I get a bit of time, yes. I might work on something big, but whether that's a sequel to another six-sided game or yeah. whether that's something really, really big that I'll take a couple of years to finish, I haven't figured that out yet. Okay. And then uh, Renegade, have they been happy with how the city is going? Yeah, it was cool. Um, we got a special Barnes & Noble exclusive edition for that one. Wow. Which was really, really awesome. Yes. Uh, they basically sent me an email saying, oh, urgently I need to hear back by tomorrow. Wow. I need to make these changes so we can go to print the next day uh, so that we can get it all done in time for their toy catalogue sort Fantastic. of deal. And it was... Yeah, very frantic to get wow. that done. But that's, you know, another reprint, which is something I never expected. Yeah. Oh, look, that's brilliant. Congratulations. Um, yeah. Success really well earned. You have worked so hard, as you said, to get out to, you know, not light in terms of all the components and everything, not light games in very quick succession. They both look fantastic. They're both uh, very professional. I think you should be very proud of what you've done. Thanks. We're certainly very proud of you. <laughs> I'll keep on wrapping the Aussie sort of uh, game designers. So. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Look, lovely to catch up with you here, Shannon. You take care and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks, Mark. Bye-bye. So here I'm at CanCon again with Tina from Behold Games. But not only is she from Behold Games, she's also the organiser of the board game Cruise. Yes. Which, of course, Garth helps with because he does this travel agent thing as a side job to his main job of podcasting. Tina, firstly, how are you? And how's CanCon going? CanCon is going amazingly. Yeah. Um, I was looking through my list of games played, and I feel like I haven't played that many, but the ones I played were big. I'm the same, actually. I feel like I've been playing sort of slightly bigger games, which obviously take longer, but it's great to get those ones. You just taught us Lorenzo Il Magnifico, which I'm now in love with and I may be talking to you about later. <laughs> but the cruise, obviously you're still gaining interest for the cruise later this year, which is coming to Tasmania, we're very excited about. Yep. And what's the interest been like? So, so far we have 19 people who've submitted booking requests for the cabins. Awesome. I expect once February starts and Garth is back from his long leave, yes. um, the registrations will start to be processed and that might even generate more interest. Okay. There's a few people who have got open looking for roommate requests in, but there's not really any pairings yet. So I would say we're probably going to get bigger than last year. Last year we had 75 attendees. Yeah. Of which I'd say 55-ish were gamers. The yep. rest were family members. Um, I get asked that question a lot, actually, is is it okay if my non-gaming partner comes? Yes. And overwhelmingly, yes. I'm trying to make this all-encompassing friendly as possible. It's the reason why a cruise is great. Because yes. Because they can go and do cruise stuff and you can play games. And, I mean, I don't know about you, but I felt like when you said when we found out that it was going to be 70, 75, like that was a really good number. And people, from what I have heard, people have come away that it was a great experience and really keen to do it again. 
Yeah, I've actually had more returners for this year than I did for the from the first year to the second year. Yes. And I've actually had three people who have been to, including myself, <laughs> all who are interested in going to all three cruises. Yes. And two from South Australia, myself from New South Wales. The only barrier to a few other people is that they're from Perth and yeah. the flight over is quite a lot. But in future years, I'm going to try to alternate long cruise and short cruise. Okay. So this, we're on a short cruise one. Um, and so that will make it so people who do want to do the longer cruise, but the cost to get Sydney is higher, they can budget it for every two years. Okay. And look, it might be a secret, but we're trying to work out something where maybe we might have a surprise catch-up game playing with the Dice Men at our favourite drinking spot in Hobart when the ship arrives. We'll see what we can do. No promises. Perfect. Um, now, with your, your game store, you're fast becoming known as a fantastic purveyor of specialty dice. Yes. Tell us a bit about that. It was actually at a at last CanCon, mm -hmm. I went to LFG in Canberra. Our good sponsor, Charles, yes. Charles, he's amazing. I went to the store to play on the Friday night. I happened to meet some people who were like, oh, you're in your game store. Do you get anything in that isn't Chessex? And I was like... No, but I'll look into it. Okay. And that started me down this path of I have probably, I think, the widest variety of brands available in Australia. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say I necessarily have the largest number, but last count I had over 500 different dice products on my website. And, look, I know it sounds weird to us non-collectors, but people actually collect dice? Yes. A lot of people actually turn them into displays, so they'll like to get a vase and they'll put the outside full of dice, or they might create a. Um... Oh, and we're getting some sound effects of dice. Oh yeah, a bucket there full of are dice there. special CanCon dice here, I believe, um, and I will be getting one of those later to add to my collection. <laughs> Me too. I didn't know CanCon did special dice, but now I know. There you go. Yeah, so people will collect dice, they'll display it, but also dice are just one of those things that's universally something you need for any type of game, not yes. just role-playing. Obviously, the primary product to have is um, polyhedral sets, so that's the role-playing dice. I also stock D30s. People like the novelty. I stock wow. dice with smiley faces on them. I'm about to get Chessex weather dice in. They're a very affordable way to spoil yourself. Yeah, fantastic. Well, look, thank you so much. Lovely to meet you again. Uh, we're very excited about the cruise. And uh, enjoy the rest of CanCon. Thank you. That was Mark's interviews there at CanCon, and now we never have to hear about the bloody thing ever again. <laughs> All the fun that everybody had. But we did have lovely Tina there at the end who was talking about the board game cruise, who our friend Garthy boy over there, mm. who has been known to organise a vacation once or twice in his, well, every five minutes every day. <laughs> Tell us a bit more about it, mate. Well, look, yeah, I, uh, I have the pleasure of, of being in the travel business and uh, my first day back was Sunday, Sunday, Sunday from six weeks of leave. And thankfully, this board game cruise is actually going really, really well. It's a, it's a shorter cruise from the 12th to the 17th of December from Sydney down to us yes. yeah. in Tasmania and then back to Sydney. So if anyone wants to cruise to the Dicemen Island yeah. and potentially play a game when you're in Hobart with us... yeah. Then you should jump on that. Welcome to <laughs> so look, it's pretty Island. exciting. Uh, there have been heaps, and I mean heaps and heaps of interest. So I need to go and get more cabins because the 30-odd cabins that I already have wow. may or may not be enough yet. So it's going to be wow. big. So look, if you are at all interested, jump on to boardgamecruiseclub.com. Yes, that is boardgamecruiseclub.com. Oh, boardgamecruiseclub.com. Correct. We're not a sponsor. No. However... <laughs> so don't mention them every game. If you don't know boardgamecruiseclub.com or you can't remember boardgamecruiseclub.com, just get in contact with the Dice Man Cometh. Yeah. Because chances are... I'll reply to you when I'm me and I can help you out if you can't remember boardgamecruiseclub.com. And I will reply to you going, well, I can't do that, but how about some chocolate? <laughs> <laughs> and, Garth, correct me if I'm wrong, okay. but I think you do, do have a bit of a... Let's not call it a matchmaking service, but, you know, for people who... Obviously, when you travel on a cruise, most often you're mm -hmm. in a cabin. Normally you've got a couple of beds in the cabin and sometimes it can be a bit prohibitive for people if they travelling by themselves, you have this, let's call it a board game hookup service? Well, yes, it's definitely not Tinder at sea unless you want it to be. <laughs> However, if there are people who are willing to share cabins, yep. I will be able to generally organise 
someone of the same sex. Yeah. Because we need to make sure that it's above board. Um, above board games. Are there, yeah. rooms, there are rooms on the boat above the board? Above the board, wow. yes. Um, I think it's a Kickstarter exclusive in a couple of things. Interesting. It's like the, this the board, board walk. Board game hammock thing going on. Yeah. Right. So anyway, yes, um, it's going to be massive. It is the 12th to the 17th of December, so it is that little pre-Christmas break away from life and with board gaming. And there will be a lot of board gamers on there. And yes, you go from Sydney down to Tasmania and then back to Sydney. So everyone can get to Sydney and everyone wants to come to Tasmania. So it's a win-win for everyone. Yeah, and I think Tina said there they had 75 people, which of about 55 were gamers and then the other 20 were family. Given this is a shorter cruise, Mm -hmm. given the time of year, given it's coming to visit us, I have a feeling, you know, there could be a lot more. So this, you know, this this is sort of like... Dice Men Cruise Con. Well, it's or... also... What is what is different about last year's and this year's, without going into too, too much detail, is that we have dedicated board gaming space from, I think, 8 o'clock in the morning till 10pm at night every day. Mm. Wow. So you don't have to look out the cruise window and see the high seas or even Tasmania. You can just be playing board games almost from sunup till sunrise and then a little bit more. And you know what? My absolutely amazing, wonderful partner, Sarah, has said, because we're, we're planning to go on getting married next year, mm. is let's not go on a honeymoon straight after we get married. Let's save up and go on the board game cruise the next year because we don't want a cruise to Hobart, but a cruise the other way. Yeah. Sounds like the way to go. I might have to Isn't that amazing? And I don't want to get everybody excited, but my wife and I have had a kind of similar conversation ah. into the fact that we might not get to the one this year because we already live in Hobart, so we're halfway done with the cruise anyway. <laughs> uh, but the one next year, when it's going to be bigger and go to more exciting places, I mean, I don't want the, I don't want to see you or Sarah at all because you're going to be on your honeymoon, and that's gross. I don't want to be near that. But <laughs> I can get you guys a quad cabin. That's fine. Oh, oh no! Let's not and say we didn't. <laughs> Dice men on a boat con. Yes. There's anyway, well, there will be some dice men come a thing, but that's okay. <laughs> Please go to a song. You're listening to Edge Radio 99.3 FM with the dice men cometh. We'll be back shortly. Hey, it's Bo. Board games are cool, and you should listen to the dice men cometh. Yeah. There you go. That was Pearl Jam with Wishlist here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. You are listening to The Dice Man Cometh talking all about board games, card games, role-playing games, board game conventions, board game cruises. And, of course, we are again proudly sponsored by lfg-oz.com.au. That's A-U-S, not OZ. Check out their online store. If you're over in Canberra, you can go and visit like we did, Garth. We did. I should stick those photos up on Instagram. Absolutely, because Charles and I did quite a lot of modelling at their store in <laughs> That's Canberra. That's right. So I also managed to buy Empires of the North, the new Imperial Settlers game that we will be playing after this show. Awesome. Now, Garth, when we were at CanCon, Leon. Oh, for the love of... We, uh, we met. And we heard from him last week, of course, David Harding from Grail Games, mm-hmm. now being swallowed up into one of the other big board gaming conglomerates, but he's still pumping out the uh, the games with Grail. And, of course, he had a little hit on his hands with Boomerang, which he took to Gen Con last year and basically sold out of all these copies really, really quickly. Yeah. And he had a little teaser for us in the way of a copy, a sort of a pre-production copy of the new version. Correct. Of Boomerang. So like a good Boomerang, it's come back for more. Yeah. I see what he did there. Yeah, because it was like a flying stick. Yeah, I I get it. (laughs) So Boomerang, which is being published by both Grail Games and Matago, is a Scott Arms... I would say roll and write, but it's not roll and write because it's draft and write. Mm. And for those of you who know Scott or his games, if it starts with Tiny Epic, he's done them. Yeah. Yeah. The Galaxies, the Quest, the Zombies, the Kingdoms, the Western, and probably some more. Also, not so Tiny Epic, um, Heroes of Land, Air and Sea, which is 
massive just epic, and epic. Yeah. yeah, epic and epic. Yeah, so done a lot of games, and um, he did this little draft and write for Grail, Gla- Grail Games slash now Matago. Uh, and, yeah, it's coming back for Boomerang Australia, which is not too far away from hitting your Kickstarter. So stay alert. What is a draft and write? Well, everyone will start this game by getting their own little player board, which has a beautiful map of Australia, which does include the world's best island. Yeah. <laughs> you can cruise to that island. You can. You will get that. You will then have a deck of cards and you will shuffle those deck of cards up and everyone will get seven of those cards and then anyone who knows anything about drafting, the game will go in a very similar drafting way in that you will take one of the cards, you will do some things that we'll get onto, you will pass the cards left and then it'll go round and round and round and round and round and you'll do that four times and then the game will be over and then someone will be declared the winner because of how well they played. Mm. But... The drafting thing is kind of cool for this kind of game because you've got roll and rights, you've got flip and rights, you've got something else and rights. So draft and rights is actually kind of an interesting tweak on this mechanic. Yeah, and the the blank and right genre has been going gangbusters because most of them, and I guess without bearing the lead, this one, they play relatively quickly. Mm. You feel like you're interacting all the time because you're writing stuff down on your score pad or your acetate sheet, whatever you've got. So you're, you're involved and depending on the level of puzzle in the game, you know, some of them play really quickly you don't have to think about it. It's like, yeah, like Sushi Go. Yeah, keep that card, move it on. Except yes. Sushi Go doesn't have the writing. No. But this is what this game reminds you a little bit of. Whereas with this one, it's a bit more puzzly. Well, the thing about most something and rights is that they are in, in essence a solo game because everyone is using the same open information, which might be in Welcome To, the cards that have been flipped over, yep. in the Railroad Inc., the dice that have been rolled. Um, so you're dealing with publicly available information. Yep. This one does not play solo no. because you are dealing with the card that you have drafted that no one else for that particular round will. And immediately, I already find that interesting. Yeah, it's definitely something about this game that I really like. I've said before that I'm not a huge fan of the roll and write genre, mainly because of that lack of interactivity. The whole yeah. reason I play board games, card games, RPGs, anything is those interactivity. I have video games that I love. If I want a solo game or a solo experience, yeah. that's what I play. But when it comes to, you know, board games, this is the kind of thing I want. And for something this small and this quick. And we also get a lot of people asking us, being that, you know, we're gamers and also being that we're Australian, how do I get non-gamers or anybody to kind of get into the hobby or to play games? I'd argue that this could possibly be the best game in Australian history for doing that. What? No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's my... Oh, boy. No, can't... Everyone relax. Dave Harding, that better be on the box. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I've got a hell of a face for boxes. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to make a map of Tassie jokes. For boxing, yeah. Anyway, my point of that is... I'm not saying it's my favourite game ever, although it's a very good one. My point being is that it's a small game that plays quick, as you said, Garth, Mm. but... It's very Australian in that it actually has pictures of Australian things on it. So this is a game you could sit down and put it in front of your 60-year-old grandparents, no offence, Mark, and <laughs> you could say, look, it's a game. It's got. It's like, look, you know where this place is. You've been there. We Correct. can talk about your, you know. So from an Australian standpoint, yeah. it's as Australian as anything could possibly be that doesn't have Australian zombies in the outback. Yes. Correct. That there was are my no point. prawns on barbecues, but... Before we get to that, what the hell is this game? And if you don't know what a something and right game is, we might need to take you back a few steps. If you don't know what Australia is, <laughs> there's not much help that we can offer you. No. So, look, I'm just going to read the blurb because that's easy and someone who's much smarter than me has written it. Yep. Explore the amazing lands of Australia in the new version of this draft and write game. Visit the most beautiful parts of Australia while touring... You will meet local animals and enjoy tourist activities such as hiking, swimming or simply taking beautiful photos. But don't forget that this trip is not only for pleasure. You all compete to be the best visitor and discover the most of Australia. And that is the elevator pitch for it. 
you will be travelling around Australia because, yes, every single card that you'll be viewing from the cards in your hand, the cards that you draft, have a big image of a certain physical, geographical, iconic location within Australia. Mm. So, for us in Tasmania, you have Port Arthur, yep. which is probably the one big thing that if someone says from a touristic point of view, Tasmania has, it might be Port Arthur, it might be Cradle Mountain, but it's one of the big things. Yep. And we've got it there. Doesn't have the Edge Radio Studios for some reason. No. Pretty sure we mentioned that to him to be one of the four, but... Pretty mm. sure there'll be the Dice Men card and the three of us with our thumbs up going... That <laughs> eh. makes perfect sense to me. If it's not, Dave, we yep. need to have words. So, look, every single state and territory in Australia... Except is mentioned, except. apart from the ACT. <laughs> where CanCon was, eh? Arguably because there's not that much there. There's, like, the National Rock Museum, which is pretty cool. <laughs> National and there's CanCon, and there's like some really cool people, but yeah. there's also some really not cool the people. The National though. Gallery, uh, Questacon, Questacon, Anywho, the War the, Memorial. The Hardings agree with me. See if you'd go to Canberra. Yeah, look, the Silmarillion. No, yeah, we're definitely the Carillion. We're definitely got, not going to linger on that mark. <laughs> but every other state and territory is mentioned, and the way that you'll go on your particular turn. And it's super important at the start of your turn. Yep. You're going to choose a card. And each of the cards that you have have a whole bunch of different stats on them. So there'll be the tourist site, there'll be the location, as in which state or territory it's in. There'll be an icon, which will be potentially an animal icon. But there'll also be a sightseeing icon, which might be a camera or a hike or something else. Mm -hmm. And you want to pay particular attention to this, especially on the first card. Because, Mark, what is this particular card called in a game of Boomerang? Uh, the throw card. Correct. Card. That's right. And the reason that it's important is because the very first card you choose and the very card, last card you get will be important because there will be a scoring aspect that is the first card minus the last card, or vice versa, yep. so that you always get a certain number of points. So you want one card to be a big number and one card to be a small The number. absolute value of the difference Correct. between the two, yes. Uh, thank you very much. So you'll choose that particular throw card and then you'll continue to choose cards for the remainder of the round, of which there are four. And you want to really pay close attention to this because you want to choose sites that may be all in the same state or territory because the first person to cross off a complete state or territory will get some bonus points. You want to also keep an eye on the tourist uh, or the animal signs that are on there you, because every pair of animal signs that you have, which might be kangaroo or platypus or I don't know, what other Australian animals are there? Wombats? E emus. Emu. Yeah, all of those kind of things. For every pair of those, those pairs will be worth a certain number of points and that's kind of important as well. No Tasmanian devils though. No. Sadly. You also want to pay attention to the activities, whether it be hiking or swimming or taking a photo or whatever. Because, or throwing a boomerang. Yes, because at the end of each round, you can score precisely one of those four different types of activities and you want to be scoring the one that you have the most symbols on. Mm -hmm. You're trying to keep track of all of this stuff and it's really hard. There's also, don't forget, there's the... I can never remember which is the flora and which is the fauna. Flora. Flowers, flora. There's the flora, which are the green, they're like plant symbols, and they have different numbers on them as well. Oh, yeah. And there's a little twist where if in your seven cards those numbers add up to seven or less, because they have like one or two or three or four or five on different different aspects of flora you can double that number and that's the amount of points you score but if you go over seven so say eight well that means you get eight points that whereas points. if you get seven you will get 14 points so sometimes it's well i don't want to get too many of those green cards or oh i've got two high ones straight up i'm going to blow it out and just go for all the big ones yeah and that's that's another thing you're trying to keep track of in this relatively seemingly simple game it's cool because you're always engaged in everything that you're doing and every card that you're getting, but you're also engaged in what your neighbours are doing too. Yeah. Because you have the ability, Leon Cannon, Hello. <laughs> to look at what the player to your immediate left whose name might be Garth is doing and go, oh, I've got the one card that will stop them from completing visiting the state. Yeah. So I even though that particular card does 
bugger all for me. Uh -huh. I'm going to stop Garth from being able to complete the state and get a whole bunch of extra bonuses because that's what Leon does. I did that twice. <laughs> and, and you're still angry about it because well, you, it was full, a week ago. you full named me and everything. That's quite <laughs> impressive. But as you said, yes, I did do a bit of hate drafting on you because that is fun. But you did mention the fact that this is a game where in a drafting situation, I think I paid more attention to what you guys had had out more than nearly any other kind of quick drafting game because of that aspect that there's so many different things on the card, which is good because because it gives you that fact that every card you get handed, there's normally something on there that can help you out in some way. Exactly. Very rarely, except for maybe when you get to near, say, the end of the game and you've crossed off a lot of the things you were after, you're going to get to the point where you go, none of these are very good for me. Because even in that situation, you could probably still take one away from your mate. And, the, you know, the dilemma of, well, do I hate draft or oh, do I get this fourth photograph icon because yeah. if I get or do I get a platypus because they're worth nine points if I can pair them up yes oh so there, there, there is some thought that I mean there is not it. some thought yeah. there is there is thought in every single turn because also this only plays to four so after the fourth round sorry the fourth turn you will have seen every card that's going to exist in that particular round of which there are four and you can kind of go well You've already got that location. You've already ticked it off in a previous round. So there's a fair chance you're not going to want it again. So I might not have to take that particular card right yeah. now, even though I need it, purely because my other players don't. Yeah, there's a good so chance you, it you, might go around. Yeah, it's not just I'm making the best of what I have right now. There is certainly an element of future planning, which, again, just makes it a little bit more thinky. I have also played this with four and three and two. Um, how it works is you still have seven cards, you still pass them around. It just means with three players, there are seven cards that you don't see each round, and yep. with two players, there are 14 cards you don't see each round. And it really changes it up because it goes from, okay, I'm going to see every card that's out there in the first four hands, and I'm going to know who's got what, what can I get? What can't I get? Yep. With three or with two, there's that mystery of, oh, well, what's over in that pile that I can't get access to? Should I still go for finishing off New South Wales because one of them might be not in this round? And it just, just changes it up a little bit, makes it slightly different and keeps it interesting. Yeah, look, I think after only the one play that I've particularly had of this game, it is certainly pushing for my favourite something and right game. Yeah. I really wasn't a massive fan of Welcome 2. And but that's you, probably because I yeah. played it with 10 or 12 people say, or something. You and played just, that massive yeah. game at BorderCon, yeah. whereas I've been playing Welcome 2 with my partner Sarah, um, with... I've actually played it now with both of my sons and with Sarah, two, three, four player. We really, really like it. But I've yep. got to say... Having now, I've played this now three or four times. Wow, you've played the heck out of uh, it. <laughs> then I, it's right up there. It gives the same sort of feel. It feels a bit like, because it has that Sushi Go drafting, and not that I want to compare something that's done by, by, Phil, Walker by Phil Walker Harding and something that's done by David Harding, even though he's not the designer and they are brothers. Um, it does feel a bit like Sushi Go for gamers because there are so many more different decisions and what I will point to is I played this at CanCon with uh, our good friend Renee mm -hmm. and with uh, Don and his lovely wife Barbara Barbara and Renee and I, I think Renee, Renee had played Boomerang before the old version and he told us the couple of very minor changes yep. um, from this Don and Barbara hadn't played it before but I knew from playing games with them at BorderCon that they are some serious ass but gamers <laughs> and uh, they were taking a little bit longer to make their decision and pass the cards. Whereas I was a bit like, oh, yeah, that one. Um, you know, it was my first or second play. Not surprisingly, I just beat Renee very slightly into third, mm -hmm. but um, Barbara and Don were like 20, 30 points ahead of... Um, where we were, just taking a little bit of extra time. And, in fact, Barbara did win. There we go. That's fantastic. And, look, it's always lovely to see your home continent 
in-game space. Mm. It's really cool to see. And obviously, from a much smaller perspective, to see Tasmania actually up there competing with the other states and the other iconic destinations that international people know, that's going to help put Tasmania in some way, shape or form on the map in terms of international gamers. Because this is going to Kickstarter, it's going to be going all over the world, and people all over the world are going to be seeing Mount Wellington and Salamanca and Port Arthur, and that is cool I think, for our state. I mean, quite simply, one of my favourite decisions in the world is do I screw over Mark or Garth or do I get a platypus and now there's a game where I can actually do that. So that's cool with me. Excellent. So, York, it's a Dice Man Cometh. We've done everything about that. It's going to Kickstarter on Valentine's Day. So if you want to get Ooh. your loved one the perfect something and right present, you know what you've got to do. You're at the Dice Man Cometh. We're going to be coming back after this song. Hello everyone, it's Mark here, the eldest statesman of the Dice Men Cometh, just wanting to take a quick opportunity to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much to everyone that has been supporting us on Patreon recently. We've had a little bit of a jump in supporters and we appreciate it so much. Every cent that you give us goes into getting us to board game conventions, things like BorderCon, PAX, Essen Unplugged, and even hopefully early next year, CanCon, where we can report back to you on what's happening. We'll have interviews with designers and artists and publishers and gamers as well, and you'll know what you're missing out on. We appreciate your support so much. Look, if you've been on the fence thinking about whether or not to support us, I say just jump in for as little as a dollar a month. You won't even notice it, but we certainly do, because unfortunately, airfares out of this little island where we live are pretty expensive. But hey, enough of me. Let's get back to the action. Thank you again. Talk to you soon. Ah, there you go. The beautiful dulcet tones of Benjamin Gibbard and Death Cab for Cutie here on Edge Radio 99.3 FM. That was the ice is getting thinner, which I hear it is. Well, it is, unfortunately. Um, Now, we're going to cut this one out early because we've just got a few more minutes to talk about CanCon. (sighs) Yes, because I'm going to be not here, as I've mentioned, for the next two weeks. Sadly, I have to work, so I've got to get this out now so I don't have to hear about it ever again. (laughs) So we have got only a few minutes. So I've got a couple of questions for you, lads, Mm -hmm. when it comes to board games, the things that you guys played at Mm -hmm. CanCon. Uh, First of all, start with you, Mark. What was your biggest surprise of a game that you played at CanCon? Oh, I was going to say the biggest surprise was when I walked into the store at lfg-oz.com.au and saw all the amazing stock they had on the shelves and how neat that store was. But I mean, now that I've mentioned the sponsor... You can't say it's not professional. Um, well, you can, but... And blatant. Most exciting? Yes, most exciting game. Most exciting. Mm. So, new game. You didn't expect it to be exciting. Surprise, even. Oh, yeah. Um, well, look, I will have to say The Crew... Quest for Planet Nine. Now, I do love myself a trick-taking game, and I had heard... Don't you mean Die Crew? D. 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 Crew. D. Crew. D. Bart. Right. D. Um, Right. Where it's like a trick-taking game, it's cooperative, and you play potentially a maximum of 50 different missions where it starts off simple and you work through it. I was surprised at how much, how hard it was, firstly, but also how much fun it was and how I just wanted to keep going, okay, let's go to the next mission, let's go to the next mission, and I'm really excited to get an English version of this. Correct, and it's really fascinating because, as Mark said, it's a cooperative trick-taking game. Mm. Interesting. So you are working against the game. And how it does it is quite clever, I thought. So, yes, I will definitely give that another crack. That Mm -hmm. was really surprising. And I'm very glad that we were able to get it to the table because I'd certainly heard a lot of good things about it. Garth, same question. I really liked this very cute game called Butterfly. Oh. So you're flittering around the garden. It's basically an orthogonal uh, square game where you're going around (laughs) picking up tiles and the tiles are either multipliers or they're butterflies that are worth some points. But you're you're basically moving, it looks like a sandworm from June. Like it looks like one of those oh, worms. Oh, wow, okay. But it's actually just a Pretty. cocoon, I think. Yeah. Um, and the thing is you'll only be able to move it straight ahead or left or right. And you're, you've got to make that decision at the start of turn. You can move as far as you want and you pick up the, the, the tile and, mm. you know, you can pick up butterflies and you can pick up flowers that are multipliers and you can pick up positives and negatives and there's just this half a dozen little scoring things that add wrinkles that for an otherwise kitty looking game 
makes it much more interesting. Okay. So, so I was very surprised. So space and butterflies, so the standard answers there. Mm. Uh, so, Mark, what was the best game you played? What was the, Out of all the games you played, yeah. this is the best game I played. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, um, and I'm probably going to talk about it next week, yeah, Garth, uh, Lorenzo Il Magnifico, which is one of those sort of mid-weight Euro games with a middle-aged, boring-looking man on the cover, although it's a pretty-looking cover. It's not as brown as others. No, and, and I... A lot of people had said it was their one of their favourite games. I didn't know why. I had no appeal for me. And now I totally get it. I am in love with it. Yeah, well, we'll talk about this game next week, absolutely. Yeah. And Garth, a same question. Well, what I will do... Other than Lorenzo. ...is I will answer. actually answer the question in terms of what game do I want to play again the most. Okay, that is... Simple. And the game I want to play again the most is Barrage. Oh. Or as the French say, damn because apparently that's what the French word for dam is. Fair enough. Which is the game of hydroelectricity and creating it. So you will block rivers and then try and power plant and conduit up to make electricity, which equals victory points. This game, I spent three quarters of it not really understanding what I was doing. And then as soon as I clicked, I went, I like what I'm doing. And I wish I could go back to yeah. turn one and know what I was doing from turn one. So that's the game I want to get to the table the quickest the most. Yep. This is the game that leaves leaves Power Grid in its dust because oh. it, it's actually about generating power. Yeah, and it is so interconnected in that I am vested in what you, Leon, are doing and what you, Amark, are doing because Ooh. what you do will impact my score mm. and I need to be aware of your strategies. It's grid. really, really awesome. But also, steep learning curve. A power grid killer. That is very interesting. Well, oh, no, 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 not necessarily. But, it, like, in terms of the theme of generating electricity, this is it. Lovely. Yes. Well, well, I was going to ask you some more questions, but guess what? We've run out of time. We <laughs> have. Yet again. So I won't be here, so you guys ask your own bloody questions the next couple <laughs> of weeks. All right. Weeks. So, Mark, just one question. Should Leon go to CanCon? Definitely. Oh, okay. There we okay. go. Well, I will next time. Fine. Woohoo! <laughs> so, look, it's been episode 295 of this particular show. Now, I am going to just say... If you want to appear on episode 200, no, 300, you need to send us some audio and tell us how much you love us or board gaming or just what you want to talk about. But mostly us. That's it. Yeah. com. Send us your little bit of thing. Dicemancometh at gmail.com will certainly get you uh, an email address that will work. Yeah, we've got a little uh, post about it on pinned to the top of our Facebook page. Exactly right. So okay. we're talking to you designers and publishers and Australian people. We love you. Yeah, and non-Australian people even. We love you too, but exactly. we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Booyah. See you later. You've been listening to another episode of The Dice Men Cometh, proudly brought to you by LFG Australia. Be sure to check out lfg oz .com.au for all the details of their flagship events, LFG Sydney and LFG Essen Unplugged, as well as their online and physical retail store. You can find us at dicebencometh.com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. And don't forget, you can support us on Patreon too. Thanks for listening.